Blog Talk Radio. Upon a long time ago 
As I look back on the roads I've crossed Traveling down memory lane But without all of those that I loved and lost Life is not the same For all the good times I can recall To all I've loved God bless you all The happiest moment That I'll ever know Were once upon A long time ago again we welcome all tuning in to our show today which we're paying tribute to 9-11 and we have uh, a guest host with us and I'd like to welcome another country that tuned us in last week so I'll say welcome to the United Republic of Tanzania I hope I pronounced that right Tanzania so we really have countries showing up on our producers' uh, status data at the uh, uh, Blog Talk Radio. You know, we post a question, or I post a question on Facebook about uh, where were you uh, and what were you doing back in 9-11, 20 years ago. Our, pay, our Facebook pages lit up with answers as to the question. What were you watching and what were you doing upon hearing the news of that tragic event we have come to know as 9-11? Well, we heard from crew members from nearly all the major airlines. We heard from general aviation, maintenance personnel, families knowing those on the four aircraft, and many more. But uh, we could only take a few. We wish, wish we had the time on air to read them all, but the following that we'll read today is just a sample of people expressing their thoughts on that day 20 years ago. And of course, today is Labor Day, so at the end of our show, we'll talk a little bit about that. We have Mark Porter with us that uh, will tell us about uh, things that are happening with the new Eastern Airlines. I want to play this song by Alan Jackson, and I think you probably have all heard it. It's a great song dedicated to that day. 20 years ago. So here's Alan Jackson. <clears throat> Where were you when the world stopped turning that September day? Out in the yard 
your wife and children working on some stage in L.A. Did you stand there in shock at the sight of that black smoke rising against that blue sky? Did you shout out in anger and fear for your neighbor? Or did you just sit down and cry? Did you weep for the children who lost their dear loved ones? Pray for the ones who don't know. Did you rejoice for the people who walked from the rubble and sob for the ones left below? Did you burst out in pride red, white, and blue, the heroes who died just doing what they do. Did you look up to heaven for some kind of answer and look at yourself and what really matters? I'm just a singer of simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus and I've talked to God and I remember this from when I was young. Faith, hope, and love are some good things he gave us and the greatest is love. Where were you when the world stopped turning? That September day Teaching a class full of innocent children Driving down some cold interstate Did you feel guilty cause you're a survivor In a crowded room did you feel alone Did you call up your mother and tell her you love her Did you dust off that Bible at home Did you open your eyes and hope it never happened? Close your eyes and not go to sleep. Did you notice the sunset first time in ages? Speak to some stranger on the street. Did you lay down at night and think of tomorrow? Go out and buy you a gun. Did you turn off that violent whole movie you're watching? Turn on out of Lucy runs. Did you go to a church and hold hands with some stranger? Stand in line and give your own blood. Did you just stay home and cling tight to your family? Thank God you had somebody to love. I'm just a singer of simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus and I talk to God, and I remember this from when I was young. Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us, and the greatest is love. I'm just a singer of simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I could tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus, and I talk to God, and I remember this from when I was. 
turning that September day. A beautiful song. A beautiful song. Well, let's see where a lot of folks were that day 20 years ago. So, Jim, would you start uh, reading the first group of email that we received? Sure, be glad to. Dave Parrish was in maintenance training with Northwest Airlines. Jackie Repo McGrath, she was in the air on a flight to Tampa. Tina Mistrot Bain says, I was docked on a cruise ship in Key West having breakfast and wondering why everyone was watching TV so early in the morning. Ian Mitko, I was in a classroom at Sparta School of Aerodynamics, went for a break. I saw smoke on the TV and thought it was footage from an earlier bombing. Then there was a hole, and we asked what happened. Someone said a small business jet hit. We went back to the classroom and found out from an instructor who opened the door that it had been an airliner. Later, he came back in and told us the tower had fallen. One student then swore he would join the Air Force to avenge the attack. Chuck Albright uh, says he was at work at Homestead Air Force Base. Thomas G. Z. is working for American Airlines in Washington. He's the third shift. Jim Martin. A United Airlines Supply, Miami, at work. Karen Wilcox Howard, at work. The TV sets, sets were on, brought in to keep us updated. Not much was accomplished that day. A lot of crying. John Ursa slips. I was flying my PA-32 along the Chicago skyline when the first tower was hit, but he didn't know it at the time. But after we landed at Chicago executive, minutes later, we watched the second plane hit the South Tower on the FBO's lobby TV. Linda L. Carrick, that was the only day I was glad that my dad, Captain Paul F. Van Mann, was already dead. Watching the news that day, he would have known that those, he would have known those pilots on those planes that were already dead. Mike, you got the next group responding to our question. Okay, Captain Jim and a Mary Tim Priester speaking uh, with the IRS in Trade Center from the uh, WorldSpan office in Atlanta. The IRS agent was on the first on the high floor, commenting something strange was going on. Papers were swirling all around outdoors, and the agent did not survive. Jim Glenn Parks. Of course, I will never forget that day where where I was. Uh, on the other hand, I do not need to seek after any impetuous to uh, uh, got I screwed it up there. But anyway, of bringing back the memory to the surface, the PTSD I brought home to the Vietnam does not take the whole lot of kick out of the gear into the gear. William D. Hips. I had returned from a short overnight in Tampa and was preparing breakfast when my daughter told me to turn on the television and I saw the second plane hit the south building. Leonie Ross Dillon, she was in the Pentagon. Cheryl Schwartz Robinson, living three blocks 
from the Pentagon watching it burn. Let me see if I can flip the page here. Okay, Linda. No, I got got to flip the page here. I got this thing. There's a double page here, Captain Jim. <laughs> see where I am. Let's see where I am. You're down here to Pete Purnell. Where is and it H now? HPN. Oh. Where's HPN? HPN. That's, that's, Pete uh, okay, Pete Purnell. Yeah, that's in White Plains, halfway oh, through yeah. a clearance to London. Uh, wait one. He says, uh, Paul Howard, sitting at the end of 25 uh, right at LAX, waiting to take off for a takeoff clearance. Ken Smith. I was on a layover in Miami scheduled for a deadhead to Miami DFW. I got released to Miami and I was on the plane to Atlanta and on the next in line to take off, I had to go back to the gate due to a mechanical. When we got back to the gate, we were told what had happened. I found other commuters uh, and 10 other, uh, uh, rented, 10, of, 10 other of us rented two minivans and hit the road, made it to Atlanta at 10 that night. Kevin Arch, I had arrived Athens, Greece uh, in the afternoon there before the attack. I had checked into the hotel, put CNN on, only English station I could find, and lied down in the bed fell asleep. It was a long flight. I woke up after the flight uh, airplane hit, and, and just as the second one hit, as I was rubbing the sleep out of my eyes, I thought to myself, wow, this is a cool movie. After a few minutes, I noted that the reporters were pretty much regular on CNN, uh, which even though the movies on CNN were, report, were a reporting source, they were really used, used for real anchors. Uh, and I switched over to the Greek station, and it all became reality. And then a Bill Engelhart, I think that's it. I was at work at CLT, Cleveland Maintenance Hangar, turned into 36-hour day, receiving all the planes that were landed there and getting the crews and passengers off, every piece of ground equipment that we had. A horrible day. Never forget. Carla Woods at home. A girlfriend called and said, look at the news. And then Bob Broman, uh, Cleveland Engineering, talking to Alex Heron about the EA which they had the TV. Okay, Captain Neal, I think you're up to clear the clear the air there. Okay, thanks, Mike. Yeah, Barton Kessner. He said doing a pushback. Uh, he was doing a pushback at Washington. It was a sad day. Bob Brune uh, at Charlotte Main, uh, Engineering. Charlotte Engineering talking to Alex Heron about an Eastern Airlines, and they had a TV. Uh, Jimmy Singleton, I was watching the Today Show and banging on the Internet on Singer Island, Florida, before preparing to go to work. Ed Wyrick, I walked into our school's media center. The media specialist, the librarian, was looking to the distance and said, a plane just flew into that building in New York. I looked over to the TV hanging on the wall and saw what appeared to be a small bit of smoke drifting out of what appeared to be a small hole in the building, building side. I figured a small plane had hit it. Hmm. I said, then moved on with my busy day. Later, 
that changed. Deb Reynolds said, I was driving my daughter to middle school and the radio interrupted with the news. Frantic sounding newsman rushed back home and was glued to the TV to see what was going on. Thomas Lindsay, he deplaned in Dallas on what was supposed to be a turnaround. The groups of people were clustered around the TVs in the concourse and then saw the buildings collapse on the TV set in the crew lounge operations. Everyone was standing, remained in Dallas for several days before finally getting home. Everything changed after that. Ken Smith, I was on a layover in Miami and scheduled to deadhead from Miami to Dallas-Fort Worth. I got released in Miami and was on a plane to Atlanta and was next in line for takeoff and had to go back to the gate due to a mechanical. When we got back to the gate, we were told what had happened. I found other commuters, uh, commuters and 10 of us rented two minivans. I think we'd repeated that one, but yeah. Kevin Arch said, I had arrived in Greece, uh, Athens, Greece, and you had that too. So we've read several of those that we're repeating here, but I'm going to turn it back over to Jim Holder. And, Jim, what do you got next? Um, William R. Meredith. I was in a business conference closed session when the first aircraft hit. About 20 minutes after that initial crash, I left the room, turned on my cell phone back on, and found out that I had multiple calls from my wife. She was back in the hotel room watching one of the network news shows. When I finally got a call through to her, the second plane hit while she was trying to tell me what happened to the North Tower. By the time we had gotten back together, both towers had fallen. We were in Charleston, South Carolina, and conference attendees had come from there all over the nation. Those who had flown in from the West Coast in particular were in a world of hurt. No airline flights were allowed for the next two weeks. We, on the other hand, had a car and only needed to drive back to Raleigh. That we did. Before we left Charleston, though, we visited local airport. I'm a licensed pilot, and I had a portable VHF radio with me. As we approached the vicinity of the control tower, we noticed armed squad attired guards patrolling nearby with assault rifles at the ready. Before we traveled on, I turned on the ATIS, the Automatic Terminal Information Service, as we know, and heard the recorded total ground stop message. Total, total, everybody land. That message would made it clear that other than a military and possibly law enforcement aircraft, no other flying was allowed until further notice. At that point, I told my wife, we will never be the same, and I was right. David Brout. Uh, he was in LAX just waking up, trying to get home that afternoon. David Birch, I was sitting on my couch drinking coffee watching Good Morning America. The guy stopped what he was doing and said a small plane had just hit one of the towers. And then the second plane hit while he was talking live. He stuttered a bit and then said, I don't think this was an accident. It looked like we were under attack. I yelled for my wife to come and look, and we both worked for U.S. Air, second ship in Charlotte. We both called in sick. We were both devastated. Jim, continue Joan on. Gogol. Oh, Joan Gogol. Joan uh, Gogol. She was on vacation in Colorado. Woke up the exact 
moment, the first plane hit with a terrible nightmare about work, and it was a terrible nightmare of work. Well, wait. Jeffrey Green, South Street Cafe, Providence, Rhode Island, working. It's a place where Aaron Hernandez was puffing before he committed suicide. Uh, Diego Ocasio. Yes, I remember September the 11th, 2001. I was working on my second job after Eastern. He was with Sears. Refrigeration and air conditioning technician changed the compressor on an air conditioner unit. I stopped and started crying as it was being told in the news radio. I grew up in the lower east side of Manhattan, and the window of my home, I saw those towers being built. Each tower next to each other like it was a race to which would be the first to go high and be the winner. Yes, I do remember. Patricia Ann Walters Roberts at work running the front desk at a hotel. Everett Hazelton, team number two in Charlotte, watching the TV in the back break room. Everyone thought it was a small plane that hit the tower, and then reality set in when the second plane hit the second tower. We all knew what was going on by then. Rick Rutledge, I was driving uh, to MYR for some R&R, and it came back home after two days. Just couldn't recuperate when the world was going through. Well, you know what it was going through. Craig Moore, asleep. Wife woke me up and told me to watch the TV. Matthew Boldclaw, I was on a British Airways Boeing 747-400 flying from London to San Francisco. Needless to say, we didn't make it to San Francisco. Just the airspace closed while we were still just west of Greenland. Diane Griffin Wernstein, my husband called me at work, eye care center. The doctors let us turn on the TV in the lobby. Everything got quiet as a mouse. Diana Ramsey, I was working special service desk in Charlotte, the fear in the faces that I saw. The shock of what was going on will never leave me. Hundreds of frightened people staring at the television, watching it unfold. But also saw people gathering together, helping people get home. People calling out where they were going and how many seats they had. Strange quiet as they closed the concourse. It seemed like yesterday, and I'll never forget it. Never. Neil Ribbon, River. Uh, C.S. and Charlotte, working a Boston flight, got a call to shut the jetway door, told my partner to go check the TV at the Phillips restaurant near the gate to see what was happening. Fifteen minutes later, you started hearing over the airport, PA, person with car looking for car people to carpool to. Rentals were all sold out in 30 minutes. Maria Brockett, I was Happened to be on a maternity leave, and that morning I got a rude call from my mother crying for me to turn on the news. She wasn't sure what airline had hit the trade center. I was shocked and completely horrified when I realized the month the second plane we were being attacked. It was then that I learned a friend, co-pilot of American Flight 11, died, and a former co-worker and roommate died on United 175. I just started to watch the documentary of the 20th anniversary. I must say, it's extremely painful to listen to the conversation from the tower. And back to you, Mike. 
Okay, let's see if I can battle my way through this one. Okay, Kay Christy Fernandez. I was at work at MCORO. I uh, was on the phone with New York customer and, with a New York customer, and she said, "Oh my God!" I asked her if 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 she was all right. She told me about the first plane. I think it was the first in our office to hear about the news. Uh, Greg Lusk, working in revenue accounting, listening to Ace TJ, and then we all got uh, to the TV to watch it. The most uh, eerie and creepy silence at the airport I've ever I've ever heard. It was so quiet that you could hear a pin drop. Dave Hazlett, loading my SUV for a trip to New Hampshire, went uh, went on the next day to a quiet, empty highway, saw a smoke while crossing the Hudson. Janet Chatham Powell, I was driving with friends to to a friend's funeral when I heard it on the radio, and of course the first thing I thought was the terrorism. Felt pretty sick to my stomach, as did everyone else attending the funeral. I think everybody was in shock. Faye Mathis Brown, I was boarding my fourth flight of the day at at, uh, BNA as a flight attendant at American Airlines. Stayed there for three days, being set up on trips, having uh, them canceled. Uh, 175. Uh, something skipped over there, but anyway, it says 175. I just started to watch the documentary on the 20th anniversary. I say it's extremely painful to listen to the conversation from the tower. And Jim, I think it's back to you again. Okay, let's see here. Jay, didn't skip over. Jay, Jay Rowling. I launched an air trans. Air Trans 717, which I pre-flighted to LaGuardia. The crew and the passengers saw the first plane hit the tower. It's a difficult memory for me. Norberto Martinez. Two and a half hours out of Rome, Italy, we were headed to Chicago. We diverted to London. Linda Lamar. I was working in a horrible office, and they had the radio on, and I heard the news and was just sick. I really really became ill when I received a phone call from a friend at 1 a.m. telling me that my really good friend, Debbie Welch, was on Flight 93. She and I had been both friends, both at Eastern and Kiwi. She was so happy to finally be reunited because they were a stable company, and she thought the future was set. She had a husband who was not nice to her. (laughs) Okay, I'll forget about that one. Uh, Diane Shahan, I just had seen my third grade son off on the bus stop. I was eating my poached egg with the news on. Couldn't believe what I was seeing with the first plane. My mind was saying, what's with air traffic control? Then it started playing out in real time. As a former flight attendant, over the next few days, I felt physically sick. Changed forever. Larry Venter. I was on a Los Angeles layover, having come over from New York the night before. I woke up early and turned on to the day show where I saw the burning tower. A few minutes later, the second one exploded, and as the dreadful reality began to collectively dawn, it was very personal. There, but for the grace of God, go I. Monroe Free on the SS Norway in the North Atlantic headed to Scotland. I watched the second plane fly into the World Trade Center on the TV in my cabin. And Michael Jarno, Jarno, Joe, I'm sorry. 
Living in Soho on Thompson Street, the rage in me was unbelievable on that day. I'll take the rest of it for the rest of uh, the ones that uh, we have here. Kelly Ray said, I was driving to Asheville, North Carolina for an appointment with the pharmacy director, director at Mission Hospital. Needless to say, it was canceled, and I came home. Felt sick to my stomach for a couple of weeks. I fear another tragic incident is being let into our country now with no borders under control. Kim Murdoch said, downtown Houston at the courthouse, recording legal documents when one of the judges came down and told me and said I should call my husband to come get me as the U.S. had been attacked and the authorities were evacuating the downtown area, especially the tall office buildings. It took over two hours for Ralph to get me and our equipment and get home. What an awful time in our history and one we should Never forget. Dana Shaheen said, I had just seen my third grade son off at the bus stop. I was eating my poached egg with the news on. Couldn't believe what I was seeing with the first plane. My mind was saying, what's with air traffic control? Then it started playing out in real time. John Beasley said, I was dispatching at another airline training a new dispatcher when the ground stop message began pouring in. I remember that awful day, but I wish we could all come together as one, as we did back on September 11, 2001, and the days that followed. We cannot forget. Howard Schwed said, actually, I was working overtime at LAX, pushing an aircraft back off the gate. The captain called on the headset, take us back to the gate. Robert Southers said I was working at the Lee County Courthouse in Fort Myers, Florida as a security officer. Well, that's the ones that uh, we lifted off the Facebook pages when we asked the question, where were you September 11th? And um, all of us, I believe, that uh, were here on Earth, especially in this country, we all remember that horrific and uh, it was imprinted in our minds, I think, forever. So I'm going to ask our host now as to what their recall is 20 years ago. And first up, I think we've got uh, Al Jenkins, if Al's still listening to the show. Al, what were you doing uh, on that day? And where did you hear the news? Al Jenkins in Atlanta? Yeah, I'm here. Uh that day I was at an auction over in Atlanta and I got a call from my office and said, Hey, you need to look at the news. I said, what's going on? That we're being attacked. I said, I, everybody in there left. I got on the interstate. It was like, nobody's out there. It looks like it's, it almost looks like today. I was out today, and I seen no automobile. Mm. That, that always goes through my mind about that day. Thanks, Al. And uh, Mark Porter is down in the Miami area. Mark, what do you recall about that day? I was in uh, Kinko's, 
and I was making some copies for my company, and someone said that something was happening. And so I ran down to one of the TVs, and I really thought it was a Bruce Willis movie. And I said, what's the name of this movie? And they said, no, it's live. And uh-huh. I was rather horrified at that minute because it looked like a, it looked, it didn't look, it looked like it had to be a movie. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Mark. And uh, over mm-hmm. in Blair's, uh, up in the North Georgia mountains, we have Bill Kennedy. Bill, what do you recall about that day? I was on the uh, Skyline Drive, Virginia, and we had just come down from New England on a vacation, and we stopped at a rest stop, and the gentleman that worked there at at the place came out and told me about the, the airplanes that hit the World Trade Center. And then about that time, my wife and her mom was living there, and they came out, and I told him along with the guy, and I said, this guy's not kidding. And so then we got in the vehicle and started riding. First thing we done is turn the radio on, and then that's when it hit us. Thank you, and I want to ask our hosts who have been reading these uh, emails or these uh, replies on Facebook. Uh, Jim, do you recall what, uh, where you were and what you were doing and uh, what your thoughts are, Jim Holder? Absolutely. I was in my garden room uh, that you could look through the kitchen into my office, and the TV in my office was on. But it was a great distance away, and I really couldn't see what was happening. I was on the telephone with Captain Eastern Captain George Zupko. Uh, he was chief pilot at another airline, and we were talking, and he said, something just happened. Uh, and I got up and came in closer, and made made it just got here. And I was waiting for Captain Walt Shelton to come. His wife would bring me over, and we'd ride into Atlanta for the retired Eastern pilots monthly luncheon that day. And, uh, of course, the maid came in and followed me in, and about that time, Walt came in, and his wife came in, and we were all just sitting there looking at this. We were amazing. We saw the we, – we really didn't see the first one hit, and while we were watching it, we saw the second one hit because they were saying maybe it was a light airplane. Well, we saw the second one hit, and it was – obviously, it was an airliner and what happened. And my maid uh, just got very upset, and she had children in school, and she asked me if I thought that she should go get her children out of school. And I said, well, I don't think that that's necessary, but I didn't want to tell her not to. But anyhow, she didn't. She stayed and did the house cleaning. And Walt and I were driving on 285 into Atlanta, and we heard that the second tower fell. And uh, that was my memory of that. Yeah. Okay, and Mike, how about you? Where, where were you, and what's your thoughts about 20 years well, ago? Well, I, I remember uh, I, I, TV was on in the uh, in the other room, and I had friend, my old uh, the chief pilot at that time that I worked for. Uh, he called me up, and he says, uh, can you believe that some idiot uh, flew into the uh, small twin-engine airplane into the World Trade Center on a, on a clear day? 
So I, I you know, and of course we talked about it a little bit, and I turned the, I went and watched the TV, and then uh, we saw what was going on, and uh, I decided to call a friend of mine and tell him about it. And I, I said that the, that the I watched it until the, until the first tower went down, and I, and I, when I was talking to my other buddy, he, I, I told him I said they're having a rerun of the uh, of the tower going down, but I didn't realize at the time it was the second tower going down. So that was the uh, and then of course everything went uh, uh, the panic was on and uh, right till uh, right till today. Yeah, I remember my daughter uh, over in Mobile, Alabama, Central Time, called me and in the morning. We, my wife and I had finished breakfast, and and she said, uh, Dad, turn the television on. Turn the television on. You can't believe what's happening. And so while we were talking, she was telling me about what had happened, and the TV came came on, and, and about that time, uh, I saw the second airplane come around and hit the uh, tower number two, and uh, it, it was hard to believe just sitting sitting here watching this all unfold. And so for the rest of the day, Peggy and I sat and just were amazed at what we were seeing. And of course, uh, that's where we were glued for the rest of the day. So it's amazing what people were doing, what they were. Uh, thinking about, uh, uh, you know, and they can come back 20 years ago and just as vivid in their mind uh, see this tragedy unfold. And um, it was uh, it was a bad day in the history of this country, nearly losing 3,000 people in, um, in those tragic. Uh, and then, of course, in Pennsylvania and uh, the, the Pentagon and uh, those airplanes as well. Um, you know, I found on the internet a short story by a person that lost uh, a wife on uh, one of the flights, and I thought I'd read it. Uh, it was a guy from Pebble Beach, California, and his name is Jack uh, Gran Grancolas. And the story is 20 years later, Jack Grancolas still remembers waking up at 7.03 that morning, he looked at the clock, then out the window, where an image in the sky caught his eye, a fleeting vision that looked like an angel ascending. He didn't know it yet, but that was the moment his life changed. Across the country, it was 10.03, and United Flight 93 had just crashed into a Pennsylvania field. His wife, Lauren, was not supposed to be on that flight. So when he turned on the television and saw the chilling scenes of September 11th unfolding, he was not worried for her. Then he saw the blinking light on the answering machine on his phone. Lauren had left two messages that morning as he slept with the phone ringer off in the bedroom. First, with good news that she was taking an earlier flight from New, New Jersey, uh, their home in New Jersey, to San Francisco. Then she called from the plane. There was a little problem, his wife said, but she was comfortable for now. She did not say she would call back. Grand Colos recalls, she said, I love you more than anything. Just know that 
please tell my family I love them too. Goodbye, honey. That moment, I looked over at the television, and there was a smoldering hole on the ground in Pennsylvania. They said it was United Flight 93, said Grand Colas, who is 58. That's when I dropped to the ground. All 44 people on board were killed. Lauren was 38 years old and three months pregnant with our first child. She had traveled east to attend her grandmother's funeral in New Jersey and then stayed a few extra days to announce the pregnancy. A little good news to lift the spirits of her parents and sisters after burying their grandmother. Flight 93 was the fourth and final plane to be hijacked on September 11th by four Al-Qaeda terrorists on a suicide mission aimed at the Capitol in Washington, D.C. Passengers and crew members used seatback phones to call their loved ones and authorities and learned of the first two attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City and the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., Realizing their hijacking was part of a broader attack, they took a vote to fight back and try to gain control of the plane. It was a heroic act that spared countless more lives. What they did was amazingly dramatic, Grand Cola said. It was a selfless act of love to conquer hate. Outlines of the plan were relayed into phone calls and captured on the cockpit voice recorder, though many families will never know the specific roles their loved ones played. Grancolas believes that Lauren was involved. A hard-charging advertising sales consultant with a big heart and a zest for life, Lauren was athletic and outgoing and trained as an EMT because she wanted to be able to help people in crisis situations. Lauren was a doer. She was not going to sit there idly, he said. He imagines her taking part in the planning of how to wrest control of the plane, gathering intelligence and knowing that time was running short. She would have been tapping her watch to say, got to do something fast. For years, Grand Colas bristled at the term 9-11 anniversary. An anniversary is something to celebrate, but the 20th anniversary is an important one, Grand Colas said, adding that he plans to travel to Pennsylvania to visit Flight 93 National Memorial for the first time since 2003. Grand Colas attended the first two annual memorials at the Pennsylvania crash site and then stopped finding it too painful. Instead, in years thereafter, he would spend September 11th doing things Lauren loved, like going for a bike ride or a quiet walk on the beach. Every year, it's a gut punch, he said in an interview near his home in Pebble Beach, California. We will live with the scars the rest of our lives. Grancola's struggle with depression and survivor's guilt in the aftermath of the tragedy with the help of therapy, he came to see Lauren's message from the plane as meant to reassure him and her family to let us know that she was okay with what was transpiring. That unworldly image he saw in the sky the morning of September 11th took on new meaning 
as he healed. It didn't dawn on, on me until later that the vision was Lauren. He would hear her voice in times of struggle, telling him to get up and keep living his life. Grand Colas eventually remarried and moved out of the home he and Lauren had bought in San Rafael, California. Today, he's semi-retired from his career as an advertising executive. He's writing a book about the grieving process that will be a tribute to his unborn child. It will be published in April when the child would have turned 20. On the 20th anniversary, Gancolos finds himself thinking back to how the country came together after 9-11, which he sees as a stark contrast to the division plaguing America today. This country was united from sea to shining sea, and today, maybe now, would be a good time to let the divisiveness drop, he said. Yep. Touching. It was hard to read, but um, yeah. it's it's uh, stories like that and stories like we just heard from those people that had no part in 9-11, but listened on TVs and radios and uh, on ships and in airplanes. And uh, we had uh, one of the ladies that was flying first officer, I think she was, with American Airlines, Beverly Bass, who I think they did a Broadway play about what she had written about uh, flying from England back to New York and how they were diverted and how they were kept up by those people in Greenland. I think it was Greenland where they landed. And the community took all the passengers and and the crew members of planes that were dropping in, literally dropping in out of the sky because they couldn't go any further. They couldn't come back home. Nor could those leaving to go back home to to the east were allowed to leave. So... It's a tragedy that we'll always bring up. It'll be with us forever. Any thoughts that you guys want to uh, add to what we've just talked about? Uh, I've got uh, Mark Porter on with me. And Mark just uh, told us about what's happening to the new Eastern Airlines. That uh, is the third attempt to fly the airline with the brand of Eastern on the sides. And uh, Mark, could you tell us uh, what you mentioned before we went on the air? Because it's, it's, it kind sure. of uh, shocked me when, when I heard the news, and it's good news for the Eastern name. So go ahead and tell us about sure. uh, what you know about it, Mark. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Yeah, Eastern Airlines went out uh, this past week and acquired 35 Boeing 777 aircraft. They are 777-200 and 300 aircraft. They will be the second largest 777 cargo operator in the world, next to FedEx. They have also purchased Fox Aereo Engineering Company in Kansas City, Missouri, 
and Eastern has also purchased a repair station with six large hangars that will do all the remodeling on the Boeing 777 aircraft. It's almost uh, dumb, dumbing, numbing because the Eastern will need about 100 pilots just to fly the 777 aircraft. Put me and, in, Coach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think they have uh, 10 as it is right now, and those are for the commercial fleet because besides these 35 777s, Eastern has another eight going to the commercial fleet, uh, 777-200s. And N-771 comes out in October, followed by N-783. Both are Boeing 777-200 ER, extra range. Um, so if we start, uh, I think it's fabulous because uh, repairs, ma- maintenance, uh, I should say, is one of the biggest things in aviation. And if you have pre-owned aircraft or aircraft that are new getting older, you need a good maintenance facility. And Eastern Airlines was really known for its good maintenance facilities, the original Eastern. Um, I also happen to know that Eastern is going to come out with liveries from the past, retro liveries. So they only can really be put on these 777 aircraft because that's what they're going to mainly have. And I think that's going to be rather cool to see, let's say, the Eagle on a Boeing 777 from the 50s, and then a livery from the 60s and from the 70s, because Eastern had quite a few different liveries, as you all remember. Um, and the, the, they're one of the companies that they do a lot of work with, which is in bed with Eastern, is Jet Midwest. So I can't help but that even though they don't say they have not bought Jet Midwest, it must be a facility that's rather close to Jet Midwest that is going to be working in cahoots with Eastern Airlines. Eastern Airlines also is getting rid of all the 767-200 model aircraft and just going to 767-300. And they've asked for that to be an expansion from 10 to 18 aircraft including Boeing 767s and 777s in the commercial division. And a lot of the 777s will be carrying uh, DOD, which you know has, the government pays very handsomely, and Eastern has a $285 million contract from the government. And that comes up for renewal next year, so Eastern probably should get another $285 million. So it's not a poor company at all. It's a very wealthy company. Um, and that's about all I have, but it's well, amazing. Uh, Mark, uh, how can folks keep track of, 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 uh, don't, don't you have a, a, a web, a website or either a Facebook presence mm-hmm. and people can, uh, yeah, I, can go to it and find out what yeah, is a lot happening. Of people, a lot, yeah. A lot of people write me at PA coastal airways route planners on Facebook and then Eastern is I flyea.com Okay. So if you want to go to the Eastern website, it's Eastern I fly ea ea.com. Okay. And then PA Coastal Airways route planners, we're up to date on all the stuff and 
Um, I hear from the, 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 the country that Eastern serves, and everyone wishes, every one of those countries, and even the representatives of Eastern Airlines in those companies, wish that Eastern Airlines would make Orlando or Miami a hub so that they could send their passengers on to New York on the Eastern plane or on to Baltimore or Washington, D.C., and instead Eastern Airlines has to continually stop flying to these routes because the aircraft are only 40% full. Mm. So hopefully mm. they change their strategy on that. Yeah. But the the cargo is a great, you know, great thing. Yeah. They're already advertising. They're already advertising if you want to send cargo with Eastern to call a certain number and um, they will give you the pricing. I'd rather haul cargo if I were an airline than I would passengers. They don't. The cargo doesn't go to the bathroom. It doesn't right. demand co- coffee or tea <laughs> or drinks or why aren't we on yeah. time? It, it just uh, stays there and is dumb in a box or whatever. <laughs> so. right. And Eastern will be the most efficient cargo company in the world because there's only one class jet they're going to be flying, the 777. Yeah. which is a very efficient aircraft. And it can very take good. to Jinin, China, which is a huge commer- uh, cargo uh, operating uh, city. And um, they, can, they can take it anywhere. Please, Mark, if you talk to anyone in the uh, higher chain of command, tell them that we'd love to hear from anyone that uh, would come on the show and tell us about uh, what's happening. And, yeah, uh, I was thinking of calling the, the vice president of the cargo um, yeah, there you James go. Gordon would come on. Come on. Do I'm it. Sure, sure they'd like more exposure. We'd have a special show for them if they'd like. Okay. Well, today's Labor Day, and it's traditionally the time to salute the achievements of the American worker, of course. Most of us listening here are not American workers anymore. You know, we we, we work by rocking in a rocking chair. At least I did. I went out and bought a rocking chair at Bucky's. I don't know if you guys are up to date on Bucky's, but if you ever get to a Bucky's uh, a gas station with 104, 106 gasoline pumps, you're in for a treat to just walk through there. And folks wow. are traveling now, and we've got one right at our exit where we live, and. They uh, have a rocking chair. They make these uh, lawn chairs, folding ones, of course, uh, you know, the fabric ones. And, and I went in and wanted to buy that thing and because I rock in my uh, front porch. I call my garage the front porch. We have a back porch, too, a patio with an umbrella and a beautiful palm tree. And uh, But we like to sit out in the front garage, front porch, open the garage door, and there's our porch. And people stop by and visit with us. And really like that and i've been threatening to buy one of these rocking chairs so today this morning i got up and went and bought one and uh, mm-hmm. so at any rate uh, the uh, the numbers the pandemic closed a lot of businesses of course and it cost millions of, of folks their jobs and overwhelmed mm-hmm. of course the health care system while others left the office to work at home a lot of people now are working at home and I just real mm-hmm. quickly just want to say, here are some numbers that you'd be amazed at. 3.9 billion. This is the number of hours spent working a month by Americans. I didn't know that. According to statistics, the average work week was 34.6 hours this past year instead of 40. 
the number 42 is the percentage of people working remotely during the COVID-19 pandemic, which almost doubled from 2019. The more education a person had, the more likely they were to work from home. So in 2020, Mm -hmm. 65% of people with bachelor's degrees or higher worked remotely compared to 19% of those with a high school diploma. That's interesting. 47. That's the minutes a day the average worker spent commuting in 2020, down from 1.2 hours to 47 minutes a day. 4,000 to 7,000. That's the amount of money saved a year by working remotely. Among the perks of not going into the office are lower costs on gasoline, car maintenance, car insurance, office wardrobe, mm-hmm. <laughs> dry cleaning. Yeah, you can work in your pajamas. You roll out of bed and go to work. Uh, right. Interesting. 32 is another number. It says that the biggest perk of working remotely was a flexible schedule followed by the ability to work from any location, 25%, according to a survey. 27 is the percentage of teleworkers who said unplugging after work was their biggest problem, according to Buffer, followed by loneliness. 31 percentage of people who worked from their bedroom, they worked from a bedroom. Wow. Anyhow, the numbers are there, and it was interesting. This is from the Florida Times Union uh, this past Sunday, and I thought I'd run. There are a lot more numbers here that uh, somebody uh, spent a lot of time putting these numbers together, I'm sure. But that's Labor Day 2021. So what are you guys doing today on Labor Day besides working or not working? Watching Netflix. <laughs> watching that. What are you watching, Jim? Uh, I'd say uh, give me the name of it here. Uh, <laughs> a movie or well, you watch TV series? Yeah, a movie. It's a documentary about uh, called the Final Account. It's yeah. a documentary uh, about the German nation back before World War II started. It's very interesting. It's a PG to hour yeah. thirty four minutes. Wow. Okay. How about you, Mike? What are, What are you doing today? Besides talking on the sitting, radio, sitting in sitting in front of my computer right now, listening listening to the, our Eastern Radio Show. All right, and uh, uh, let's see, we got uh, uh, Bill up in uh, North Georgia. What are you doing? Well, this... I'm sitting in front of his computer. It takes me to have lunch. <laughs> okay. All right, and Mark, uh, you're you're in my where are you in Miami or West Palm Beach? What's three oh five? No, I came I came up to Orlando to a place where I have, but I'm going okay, for a full mile bike the, right now. So you still have the three oh five area code, yeah. Yeah, I'm going for a okay. twelve mile bike right now. Oh, good for you. Yeah, there's some good biking in that area and up around Gainesville, uh, Florida. They've got the old railroad tracks torn up, and they they. Right. Put, uh, bicycle trails there, yeah. Very mm-hmm. good. And uh, Al Jenkins, what are you doing in Atlanta? Yeah, I like to watch the Judge movies. <laughs> the Judge. <laughs> okay, I do watch too. Watch all the Judges. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I like to watch the uh, Doctor movies and the Criminal Detective. My favorite, all-time favorite as far as uh, 
drama comedy is Castle. I just love that series. It was the best series I've ever watched. Castle. He's an author, a writer, and he's he's paired up with this beautiful gal uh, who's on the New York Police Department, and uh, a wonderful series, super series. Okay, oh, you guys. Well, C A S T L E. C A S T L E. Castle. Yeah. And you know, okay. I've. I've been looking to see uh, if it's ever going to be syndicated, but it's not. And Nathan Fillon, I think that's the way you pronounce his name, Fillon or Fillion, Nathan Fillion, he's a, he's a star of Rookies, the Rookies. The, this uh, older cop uh, joins the force, and, and he's a star of Castle, C-A-S-T-L-E. So if you ever get a chance. What channel is it on? Well, it, you can't find it on. It, they will not run it on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime. Uh, you can't find it uh, there. I don't know what they're waiting for to syndicate it and make a lot of money, but uh, they're keeping it well, out. How did and, you watch it? How did you? Well, watch I it? bought. I bought all eight years, and by the way, there are twenty-six episodes in each year, and I bought all eight wow. years of them. That's how much I liked them. And I have distributed it to all my neighbors, and I'm hoping one guy said I'm on uh, year number eight. I said, good. I want it back. I want to do it all over again. Uh, I think I'm too old to get that one. I couldn't last long enough to see the light. But I'll tell you what, if if you watch one, you'll watch to the very end, uh, eight years later. And the only reason it stopped eight (laughs) years is because, I mean, I shouldn't say this. Well, forget it. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, guys, it's been great having you uh, with us on this Labor Day, and even though we're five days early, earlier than 9/11, we wanted to pay tribute by what you've heard during this mm-hmm. hour and seven minutes at this time. So I'm going to let Merle Haggard take over from here and wing us out of here. Thanks a lot. Have a great Labor Day, guys. Appreciate your participation in the show. Sure. You're welcome. Silver wings shining in the sunlight, roaring engines headed somewhere in flight. They're taking you away and leaving me lonely. Silver wings slowly fading out of sight. Don't leave me, I cry. Don't take that airplane ride. But you locked me out of your mind and left me standing here behind silver wings shining in the sunlight roaring engines headed somewhere in flight they're taking you away Silver wings 
slowly fading out of sight Silver wings Shining Taking you away and leaving me lonely. Silver wings slowly fading out of sight. Slowly fading out of sight. See you, Mike. All righty. Sorry for the sorry for the bumbled lines. Oh, did great. <laughs> Talk to you again. Have a great day, guys. See you, Mark. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.